for everybody. This is Bob. Uh, this is Tech Talk Weekly, our weekly show where we do three to four interesting tech stories for you, get you on your way with a fun library fact, and do this all, wrap it all up in about 20 minutes or so. You might think, hey, Bob, you sound a little bit different today. Yeah, uh, we've had some issues at the studio. We've had some issues with a lot of different stuff going on. So I'm still going to do the show. I'm still going to get you your news and make this all happen for you. Uh, so I don't have a guest host, so I'm just going to share exactly what my stories are for the day. And we're going to walk you through why I think these are important for you to pay attention to, please. And give you a couple of hints out of these. And as always, these are going to be in the show notes. This is a long one. I could never get through more than two of these stories. if We talked about them in depth. Number one story for the day is signal. We've talked about signal here on this show before is a secure encrypted app for you to do your messaging with friends, family, etc. It is a free app, uh, unlike WhatsApp or other places that are also owned by another company. Remember, WhatsApp is owned by Meta, Facebook. Signal exists only on donations. And up till this point, they have kind of sufficed on the idea of they're going to try and survive that along with just hoping people stumble upon the page. But now, eight years into this not working really great as uh, a way of doing business, they're going to move a pay, which is actually a donate button, up to the front of their screens so that you can go in and donate if you use the service. They're still not going to require anyone to pay. I want you to think about that. How many of your services do you use that you pay for without money? Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, etc. We've said it before. If you're not paying money, then you are the payment. They're using your data as currency. So think about that. What kind of companies, what kind of bits, platforms are you using? And would you rather pay to be totally private or use it for free and give up your data? It's an interesting concept. Great story to think about what, how they're going to try and change what they're doing with this company. Second story of the day is from rest of world. You know, this is one of our favorite sites around here to get you uh, an input on something that's happening outside of the traditional Western, you know, North American uh, viewpoint. China is going to start regulating what digital people, humans, avatars, it's kind of murky at the moment, what you can do with them, how you can treat them. I know how you can treat a digital avatar, but we talked about this a few weeks ago about what somebody's life is like to be that virtual avatar, to live in the green screen suit and do this sort of stuff. Now the Chinese government is starting to put down rules and regulations about what you can do. Good, solid, nice labor story maybe, right? But they're unclear whether this applies to only humans in that suit performing, or is this going to pertain to purely computerized generated avatars in the metaverse? I put on my headset, I fire up the avatar that I want you to see. 
who should be in control of that? Me? I'm the user. The government telling me what I'm allowed to or not allowed to do to express myself, Excess, especially here in the United States. That's going to run into some big problems. Or should the company who's providing the platform tell me something like that? So in this case, Meta being in control of what I can and can't show comes back to that original story. Are, are we paying with what? If I'm paying you cash, does that give me a better right to say what I should look like, what I can look like, what I can do? Yeah, interesting stories today. I know it would be, we're going to be talking about these for, for a while, I think. Then I'm going to get, I'm going to jump to two other artificial intelligence stories before I leave you with the really long post for today. GDP three. Now you may not know what this is, but you have, you know, of it because GDP three is that gathering of all that data set. It's one of those massive data sets of all sorts of text and everything going along so that artificial intelligence programs, remember deep learning, voice recognition, all those sorts of things, that sort of thing uses those to learn, to teach itself. All that information comes from somewhere. Yeah, you guessed right. Privacy. Wait a minute, huh? What information is about you in that database and can you find it? Really interesting article here. Here's a Finnish, someone from Finland, author who writes this story about knowing how it's going to be find out, how do you find out what they've trained using your personal information? How could they find out, could someone then backtrack and reconstruct just your life based on this massive publicly available data set. Did you get paid for your information to be in there? I bet you not. Should you have a right to have access to that information? They argue you already do. You have to go investigate and find out for yourself. And is that really the way this should be right now? Should we really be using all of our own personal data to help companies make money building better algorithms? Yeah. More fun conversations about AI? How about Abe Lincoln in a cowboy hat? Kind of looks like him. Really good representation. And this is a, a newer technique called stable diffusion. So this is what AI has been doing. We've talked about AI art in the past. Just two weeks ago, we talked about the Dolly art. Um, you may not have heard, and I'll mention it in here, Dolly, uh, somebody used an AI to create art and entered it into an art competition and won. Is he the artist? Is the AI the artist? Who could he, should he? have entered an art contest using that. But to give you an idea of what art diffusion really means, the stable diffusion in art is the terminology. You can see here, old, ancient, um, pixelated, small, 8-bit, uh, as it was called back then, video games, because that's all they use. They use 8 bits instead of our current 64 bits. And you can see how much better they can take it and make it look very realistic of exactly what they want to do. They didn't alter the original image, 
all they did was told the computer, told it, the AI, to say, hey, apply stable diffusion to this image and update it. And that's all. This wasn't going off like we talked in the last story about everyone being out there and grabbing that stuff. This is all about just taking and enhancing stuff. Now, you're like, wait a minute. That looks not so bad. I can still kind of tell maybe that's not a real photo. Here's some other art. Maybe, maybe not being able to tell whether that's a photo or not. Of course, there's the entire idea of who owns the image, who's right, who owns the rights to all those images. That Again, that big data set, what they did for Dolly is just scraped the internet for all this art, all these images that are out there, everybody's real pictures, everybody's art, combined it into a thing and then trained their algorithm to say, okay, when I tell you I want to see this and it puts out a picture for you let me show you one that's gonna cause you a little bit of worry because here is the original greek philosopher from 500 bc captured on film yeah that's a statue that they've applied this stable <laughs> stable diffusion on and then re able to recreate what the person looked like based on statues. Who are you going to believe? Your own eyes or the historians that tell you, no, that's not real. We're in for a wild ride. It's going to be crazy. Again, think, take your time. I'm not trying to panic anybody. I'm not trying to say the world's going to end. What I'm trying to say is you need to seriously think about what is it that you can see and why are you seeing what you're seeing? It's going to become more and more that we're going to want to see live events, not on film, not in photographs to be able to prove to ourselves. Yes, that really happened and why it's going to be so important to have honest, real journalism to be able to say, this is what is real. This is what really happened. These are the facts and then you can interpret it how you want to, but these are the hardcore facts of, of a thing. Then I got one more story for you. to really mess with your weekend. How many people can fit on earth? Did you have a guess at how many people are living on Earth right now? You, depending upon how old you are, may have just had this idea in your brain. Oh, there's 4 billion people on Earth. Well, no, there's actually 8 billion. We're going to cross that mark later on in September. We are going to cross the 8 billion people on this planet mark. An unheard of number. No one thought we could ever get to this many. And the article starts back in 72,000 BC, where there was a huge earthquake in Indonesia, in Sumatra. The Toba supervolcano erupted, bringing about horrible climate change, 
insane amount of atmospheric craziness that plunged the entire planet into a almost nuclear winter. And it lasted decades. And in the end, there were about 80,000 humans left on the planet. That's where we all come from. 80,000 people growing up to this point. They say possibly as low as 10,000, but I've seen a there's when you start following some of these links, you're going to see a lot of them think it was somewhere closer to the 50 to 80,000 mark. Then they start we human population starts growing again, growing again, growing again. And we have now touched basically every point of the planet. And this article, I'm not going to cover the entire thing, but I wanted to show you where it is. Again, this will be in the show notes for you. Because it's really something to think about. This is a topic where everyone should be aware of our impact on the planet. Climate change, everything's happening. The planet is going to be fine. Humans may not, and I'd really like us to be, do better and to be better. Um, and you can't just look at this as say, well, we need fewer people because that's a horrible thing to start making decisions on. But they, the article does go into several different ideas of as people have a better education, birth rates fall, as people just gradually, there are there is an equilibrium in areas, and we've seen this throughout Africa, where as an area gets horribly overpopulated, then climate change takes over, population drops, and everything comes back to uh, more of an equilibrium again. I would really like to not have that happen. I don't want to see humans fighting for themselves just to be able to live like that. So go through and read this. This is not a two-minute article. This is a good, good, long, deep, deep article talking about all of the different stuff that goes on and what the possibilities are of what the world's going to look like. Uh, the last picture I want to show you here is um, out of the UK and Britain, because this article is from the BBC, showing an area that was dense, full, the wildwood. It was this was the primeval forest that you always hear about in fairy tales, and it's been farmland for thousands of years now. And it's probably never going back to forest. And what does that mean for the rest of us if we can't even keep one small portion over these last few centuries? Wait till you see the story and hear about the lemurs. It'll make you really think. Okay. I want to thank everybody at Main Library and everybody who's tried to help about solving all these issues today. So I will not see you next week. I'll be away on vacation. But Autumn, our Youth Services Librarian at Main Library is going to take over for me as she has earlier this year. And I'm certain it's going to be a great show. Let's throw up our final slide. As always, if there is any stories you'd like us to cover on the show, send them to us creation station at broward.org comes right to us and share us your favorite librarian we'll try to get them on the show for you have a great day everybody we'll see you next week well two weeks <laughs>